millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, I'm I'm good in general in a footballing sense. I'm I'm pretty desolate, mate. I'm going to be honest. How are you feeling? Um, a couple of days ago, I was um, the maddest I've been in, in quite a while in in terms of football. I think Sunday was just a, a generally shit day, but um, I think I've slightly more digested it now. I've had a, a day a day off today, so I've, I've done nothing much but roll around and wake up at midday and, and play Grand Theft Auto. So I've, I've got it out of my system by proxy of shooting and driving people over. I was going to say you've used that. You've used that anguish constructively. Then yeah, that's a, a healthy way of getting it out of your system. Yeah, I think the thing that stuck with me most about this result is that it was one of those that just really got into you like it, it It really cut me down to the bone um and was like tweaking a nerve as it went there one of the, like a pesky nerve that wouldn't break so I was just I woke up this morning not thinking oh I've got to go to work or oh the commute it was just oh for fuck's sake we actually lost not only lost at home to West Ham but just completely capitulated just offered nothing three nil I mean it was the whole thing was a shambles. I mean, we, we could probably devote an entire podcast to this, but let's try and keep it as brief as possible. I mean, what do you take most from, from those? I mean, if you read Twitter, the majority of the, the vitriol seems to be the Defoe-Soldado conundrum. What's your take on that? Um, in terms of looking at it as an, an isolated incident, um, it was as abysmal. Um, as everyone is making it out to be. Uh, with them being a, a bottom-of-the-table team, which is what they are with the players they've got available to them, the, the past results and everything, it's, we shouldn't have lost to them in, in the manner of which we did. Um, we just shouldn't have lost to them, really. I mean, not no, to sound too big-headed, but we shouldn't have. No, I think the, the, the results to which I compare them to are, are leads away last season in the FA Cup and Fulham at home in the... On the face of it, the, the results are uh, we've not done anything that's that's almost to indicate we're a bad team. Uh, for forty-five minutes against West Ham, we should have scored. We should have we should have been ahead. Uh, we did dominate, and West Ham West Ham's game plan was essentially to let them onto us, which which we did. The, the areas in which we failed seem to be when they seem to attack in def- uh, defence. Our defence seems to shut off. Um, I don't want to accuse you of being overconfident or anything like that because that's something that is leveled to, to, to better teams when they lose against lesser teams. It just seemed, they didn't seem prepared 
when when they were attacked on. Um, there's a lot said about the fact that West Ham didn't play any strikers and that it confused our defence. But they had they, they shouldn't have been essentially. They should be able to deal with the fact that there will be midfielders dropping into spaces, which is where West Ham got their goals from. Um, the first goal was a, a freak goal from a, a corner. Um, I think Deman almost saved it on the line the first time round. But again, we, we shouldn't have lost him. Um, the second goal was that the that was the complete fluke, wasn't it? That's where he. That's a wicked deflection. It was what I've seen described as a FIFA goal. Yeah, he. From what I remember, he he, he hit it against Loris, and then it hit his back as he was falling over yeah. at an almost perfect trajectory to then take it back over. Um, I think that, that that can be put down to a freak accident. The last one is the one that is most concerning because Raval Morrison's run from his own half almost entirely uncontested, and he's he's made our defence look average there. He's made our defence and, and our midfield look average. He's he's made the whole t- you know not the whole team. That's a bit dramatic, but in terms of like you say, he's taken it from midfield all the way to our box. Yeah, we, and dinks it over the keeper. Exactly, he's had. People have been lauding him all week after that game, and that's because our team allowed him to 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 run that distance. I mean, Ravel Morrison could be a, a fantastic footballer in the future, but at this moment in time, he shouldn't have been allowed to do that against us. Um, I mean, backtracking slightly, I mean, just talking about the Defoe Soldado thing in particular, I think I understand people's frustrations with regard to a £26 million striker being dropped for a 31-year-old who's arguably best days are behind him. Um, I get that. But number one for me, I mean, it's it's completely ridiculous to blame a result like that on who started up front. Yes, there can be the argument made that Soldado doesn't contribute perhaps with as many goals as we would have liked so far. However, his general play in and around the box has helped us to score goals. I get that argument. But at the same time, we still conceded three down the other end. I think the other thing that a lot of people are neglecting as well is that we only really at the moment have two strikers in Defoe and Soldado. Now, we've heard Defoe being particularly vociferous over the past few weeks about wanting to play, about wanting to start, about wanting to bolster his England chances. And there must come a point when the manager has to say to him, OK, if you can score me a goal in blah, or you can score a goal, for example, in a tough away fixture like in Russia, then yes, I will start you in the next league game. And that's for me that I mean, I can't see, you know, people are saying, oh, AVB's an idiot for starting Defoe for this, for that. I, I don't, I don't think for a second he wanted to start Defoe against West Ham. I think for me, the only thing I can think is that he has made some sort of an assurance to him. If you score in Russia, you'll get a game. And you know he stuck him in. The the the, the issue I have with starting Defoe <clears throat> is that the goals he scored this season have been against second-rate teams Completely. or in second-rate competitions. Um, what's been levelled at Soldado is that he hasn't scored enough goals. But in terms of getting involved in general play and helping us in the final third, I think he's he's been brilliant in in terms of getting involved. Um, it's a similar thing to, to last season when Defoe was going through a great bit of form at a similar stage of the season and Adibayar wasn't scoring and there was the argument of, of who's better for that sort of system who's who's going to be the striker that, that that gets the most out of the team as a whole 
And I think it's it's similar again in that Jermaine Defoe just doesn't suit our current system and he doesn't have the intelligence to be able to operate to his full potential in there. He, his game is entirely based upon pace and essentially being able to hit the ball very early against defences and catch goalkeepers and defences out by being able to, to strike the ball really well, which is where the main number of his goals come from. Um, I was going to say, the fact he is blessed with what is an extraordinary shot, you know, what, what, when he dispatches it, you know, he's, he's a very good striker of the ball. Yeah, I mean, there was an issue, there was one shot on the weekend, I remember, that he, he got hold of really well and tested Jaskalainen. But I think the player that I look at the most as losing out when Defoe plays over Soldado was Ericsson. Because Ericsson needs somebody to bounce off of. He needs um, a, a pivot-type player, tactically speaking, to be able to yeah. operate fully. So he needs somebody to play little one-twos off to create space for him by running here and there. And I think the perfect illustration of how that works in in, in practice is Sigurdsson's goal against Chelsea, in which Soldado makes a run into the box and then drops off. So he drags a centre-back with him, into which space Sigurdsson then makes a run. He's got a choice when the ball's coming towards him. He can either swivel his body and hit a left foot half volley and have a go at goal, or he can do what he did, which is cushioning Sigurdsson. If Defoe plays in that position, A, I don't think he's going to be in that position in the first place to, to make that pass. And B, I think if he is, he's going to be taking the shooting option rather than the passing one. And I think you need that extra bit of patience and that extra bit of, of guile up front, which is what Soldado offers. Because, um, I mean, what, what I think a lot of people also neglect is the fact that, as you picked up, on previously, we're not playing in a in a system that particularly suits Defoe and his style of play. I mean, it's it, it can also be argued that the the kind of system we're employing at the moment doesn't actually best suit Soldado either. However, because he is, uh, you know, essentially a much better footballer than Jermaine Defoe, he he's making not making doing the system, but he's using his other skills as we're seeing and managing to operate within the system, be it at a detriment to his own goal scoring, he's still seeing to it that you know, he can contribute to the team as a whole. Um, and I, you know, this can, you know, just to, to kind of shed some light on why he may not be kind of prolifically banging them away, whereas like in Valencia, when he had people just kind of essentially bombing it down the wings, whipping the ball in in front of him, just for him to tap it in, as we saw against um, whoever it was we played, I can't remember their names now, the... The lot that we played in the qualifier for the Europa, when Townsend wasn't operating so much as an inside forward, when he was running it down to the byline, we saw those two assists. He whipped the cross straight in in front of Soldado, who was just on the end of it to tap it home. But we haven't been playing that way in the league at all. Hence, you know, Soldado has had to play with his back to goal a lot of the time and thus contributed to the game in other ways. And I, I think almost ironically, most of our joy against West Ham came when both Townsend and Sigurdsson took on their fullback and whipped in one of those crosses across the face of goal. I remember Sigurdsson definitely doing it at least once and Townsend definitely got two or three really good crosses across the front of, front of the goal. Just in that, what is it, I think the, the cliche term is the, the corridor of uncertainty, just behind the line of defence. Stick front it of the in the mixer, as Aaron exactly, says. Exactly, yeah, where, where the... Um, where the keeper's uncomfortable to want to come out and where the defence don't want to put anything on it because they'll end up 
turning it into their own goal. That's he did that two or three times, and as a whole, I think we had five or six good crosses. Purely because Forson was outside, because West Ham had the middle so congested with the, the sheer amount of numbers they had behind the ball. That's where our, our success came, and because Defoe is diminutive, didn't run forward and try and get onto the end of things. Doesn't it doesn't suit Defoe in terms of getting in there and, and getting on the end of crosses because he, he's not the tallest of players. He doesn't have a, a good record, as far as I'm aware, of scoring with his head. So it, in that turn, I think Soldado would have probably got on the end of one of those crosses. And um, I think the only thing you can level at AVB is that he may have changed it too late, where he, he changed it around 70, 75 minutes. He could have made that change 10, 15 minutes earlier when we were only perhaps even at nil-nil or a one-nil, we could have made that change a lot earlier. Well, I think a lot of this, especially in terms of the inside forward versus the conventional wingers argument, is something we'll go into a bit later on. Um, Just to keep it with the context of the West Ham game as a whole, I I really hate to say it, as 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 a derby, I guess, and as much as we've made fun of them about a cup final, that is a result that West Ham are going to cherish, and all, all you know, credit to them because that's as uh, as Ricky, um, my pal Ricky from the Fighting Cock, said, it's a stain on our history, and it is. It, it's not a good result. It's not a nice one. You know, losing three nil at home to Norwich would not be nice at all, at all. But losing three nil, especially to a team like West Ham, who are. Yeah, you know, we can say Arsenal are our bigger rivals and this and that, but they're still a rival team and there's still an atmosphere to it. It's not a good result. And if we'd have done that to Arsenal, if we'd have won 3-0 at the Emirates, I can guarantee you we'd still be banging on about it in 20 years' time. So let them enjoy it. Um, We've just got to hope we can come back stronger from that. And I think it was you that was saying to me, Raj, wasn't it, that uh, for the mistakes AVB made in that, he's going to be having a few 48-hour shifts at work now, isn't he, watching over tapes and making a few... uh, filling up a few filofaxes full of notes to throw at the squad when they come back from the international break. Yeah, that's the thing. As much as the the result and the way in which we conceded and played concerned us, it's going to have concerned him ten times more. I imagine he's he's going to be annoying to be around for the next week while he's while the players are, that aren't on international duty training. I imagine they're going to be getting drilled fairly um <clears throat> fairly hard on the on the on the training field. Oh, I say. Him, <laughs> matron and um, his support staff are, are going to be doing uh, a few meetings I imagine in terms of what have gone wrong and that fills me with, with confidence it makes me rest a little bit easy because I mean in the past we would have had a manager who would have gone shrugged at that said it, it's one of those days and uh, driven off back to Sandbanks for the weekend but I imagine AVB's probably been drinking his, his four packs of Red Bull and not leaving the office working out what's gone wrong which um, should hopefully stand us in good stead and um, we should hopefully then, then move on from those mistakes and not make them again. If not, AVB out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, clearly not good enough. Well, as as we mentioned there, there is an international break this week so the podcast today is going to revolve generally around how the season's gone so far, um, you know, reflective thoughts about any particular points of contention. So Andros Townsend, Defoe, Soldado... Our tactics, midfield balance. Um, so if you want to stick with us, please do. Of course you're going to stick with us. We know you love us. Um, and we're also joined by another one of the Spurs Statman team today, uh, Mr. Ben Alfrey. 
So hello, Ben. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us this hello. evening. Oh, that's that's absolutely fine. It's um, an absolute pleasure. Not that uh, you, the listener, um, the listeners, I should say, listener. That's probably more pertinent, isn't it? But listeners <laughs> um, weren't aware Ben is one of our major contributors to Spurs Statman, um, and he blogs. He, he blogs for himself as well. One Man Army. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you want to do you want to tell everyone a bit more about your your blog and what kind of stuff? You're uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I've been doing it for about four and a half years now, and it's basically because I love to have a moan, and I'd sort of run out of people to moan to that actually cared. Uh, so I thought I'd put it on the internet and um, try and find people that would agree with my rants, and uh, it's pretty much been going ever since, uh, to be honest. I think it started off with the uh, United Spurs game, the 5 2 defeat at Old Trafford, where I sort of lost it a little bit, and uh, but yeah, sort of built up from there, really. <laughs> Haven't looked back since. That's good. That's good. It's 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 good to see Spurs can just evoke that feeling of wanting to moan from even the most reasoned of us. Oh yeah, I, I would put <laughs> you up as 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 a as a reasoned Spurs fan, Ben. Yeah, I've 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 seen some of your material. I've seen your tweets. You know, you're a, you're a level headed chap, and that's that's why you're here. At times, at times, <laughs> exactly. Um, as for why Baines is here, I don't know. He's just I don't know. He's here. He hangs around. He doesn't leave me alone. Burning to the ground if I'm if I'm not involved. Yeah. So right. I mean, we've got a we've got a nice uh, a nice. I don't know why I said nice, but we've got an international break um, ahead of us now. So we're not going to get the chance to overcome the weekend's result as quickly as we'd like. Much the same as when we actually had to play Arsenal and lament over that for two weeks as the international break rolled over. Um, I mean, do you, again, do you think it's a good thing at all or would you have rather seen us jump straight in with another fixture? See, uh, me personally, I I sort of feel that it's probably come at the right time. I know that sounds a bit silly, but I just think the players probably need to go away. They just need to go to their sort of respective countries and sort of come back with, you know, sort of a fresh outlook, um, you know, so we can sort of really kick off and start again. And um, I'm actually, for once, quite happy that there's an international break, believe it or not. <laughs> it's actually a massive England fan, Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah, I absolutely love them. You know, I've them all over the world. Uh, no, I'm joking. I, I literally can't stand them. He's just uh, handed in his CV today for the head of the EDL, haven't you? Now that <laughs> Oh, God, if only I'd have the opportunity to get an interview or something. But, you know, I just don't think it's a possibility at the moment, unfortunately. So I've asked to join, but they never got back to me. I can't understand why. <laughs> yeah, no, no idea, Raj, no idea. What about you, Bainesy? Aside for your, your, your national sentiments, um, how, how do you feel about the, the international break coming at this juncture after another London derby <laughs> defeat? Well, as long as they come back fit and they're not jet lagged or anything like that, and we've we've still got a full squad available to us when we come back, um, I'm not too fussed. Um, I always end up getting sucked in. I have to admit to the whole England parade. I'm not one of those people that I'm, I, I am club over country, but I, I can't ever just switch off from England. It's one of those things that I'm even even if I try not to, I do end up getting involved with the game, especially when a tournament's coming up. I, I'll I'll always get sucked in and inevitably come crashing down when England do but um, when it comes at this point in the season I am it's, it's, it's an unwanted distraction I'd rather AVB had the full squad available to him to, to run through on the pitch but um, it's good that we've got a, a certain amount there for him to, to drill 
It's a, it's an interesting point you make there um, about jet lag. We didn't actually touch on that. Um, just talking about West Ham previously. Do you think the trip to Russia had any influence on the on the result at all? I think there were a couple of players to me, especially in the middle of the park. Polinia Dembele looked pretty knackered um, almost before half time. Really, do you think Russia had anything to do with that? Or do you think it's just the fact that Dembele hasn't actually looked that fit all season? Really. Well, I mean, the majority of them didn't play. Um, that played in Russia. Uh, the ones that did play 90 minutes, Defoe and Dembele especially, they looked, they didn't look themselves. Um, I don't think in terms of travelling, it wasn't in Dagestan, so it wasn't in completely in the outer reaches of, of Siberia as, as I expected it to be. They were actually playing in Moscow. Still isn't anywhere close to, to home, but I mean, it's they could have got a decent first-class flight there and even they'd probably charter their own plane by the, by the looks of things. Um, so they would have, they would have travelled in complete comfort. They were there a couple of days before. They will have been home in plenty of time. The thing that we've always lauded this season about ourselves is the fact that we've got such a deep squad and the fact that we could deal with these Europa League occasions. So I'm not going to. I don't want to take that sort of Europa League route out because it seems a little bit easy. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have, have selected Defoe and Dembele um, because they'd played 90 minutes beforehand. I think we've got options to go elsewhere. I think Sandro would have enjoyed himself um, uh, even after half-time swapping it there because if you're going to rotate and, and swap, then do it early and let let them have a bit of, t- a bit of rest in between. But um, those who played 90 minutes, which seems a little bit odd in, in hindsight, I mean, I'm I'm a massive Sandro fan. I absolutely love the bloke. I think he's fantastic. I think before he had his injury, he was probably our best player. Um, and there are a lot of people calling for him to, you know, get get involved again now in in the Premier League. I mean, for me, it, 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 you know, people a lot of people seem to be taking this as in AVB's missing a trick. Why isn't he starting Sandro? But I mean, for me, it's just a case of. The guy's come back from a major, major injury. An injury which he actually admitted himself almost forced him to consider quitting football. Now, for me, his his like lack of inclusion thus far is more to do with his fitness and his probable his you know likely state of mind in terms of going back into the game, any apprehensions he might have about further injuring himself. Um or do you see it as more of a tactical thing on AVB's part? Um I would put it down to the fact that that Capu's injured as well, um, because for me, the mid that, the way we're playing currently with that four two three one, that second midfield band, that where Dembele and Paulinho were playing, I wouldn't naturally want to play those two together because they're very similar sort of players in terms of neither's a completely defensive player, and neither's a completely attacking uh, player in, in terms of being a number ten or anything. So when there's a run to be made forward, they both try and do the similar sort of thing. When there's tackling to be done, neither one see, wants to seem to, to want to be too negative and stay back too much. So they seem to get stuck in some sort of limbo between themselves. And that partnership doesn't be seem to be one that, that tactically speaking, is, is working. Um, I'd be much more comfortable if we were to, to try and find the best partnership between Capu and Sandro and and um, Dembele and um, Polinho, so 
that we've got one of each. So we've got one very defensive player and we've got one slightly more attacking and transitional player so that there is more clearly defined roles. So that you could have Polina there playing with Sandro so that Sandro knows that he is, he's not going to cross halfway if he doesn't have to. He can sweep up and then Polina's got the, the licence to roam. And similar with, with Kapu and Dembele, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, so that, in terms of the midfield balance, I think that's something that once we've got a full squad, it'll, it should be more balanced. But um, uh, it's it's not a major concern because we do have that many players available to us. Definitely. I mean, what say you, Ben? Yeah, I'm, I mean, to be honest, it's quite an interesting debate because uh, Dembele and Paulinho have been starting a lot together. And to be honest, on the whole, they've looked fairly solid without sort of creating too much. And you know, we haven't had, you know, sort of taken away Sundays as a possible anomaly. You know, we haven't had sides sort of striding through the middle of the park. Uh, um, so I think we've sort of kept it sort of fairly compact, you know, without the likes of Sanjay and Kapu. But I think it is one of those where you don't really know what you're missing until one of those players will play again and they'll take a real grasp of that centre midfield. And, you know, I think it would ease, um, ease us a lot more uh, sort of, being defensive and breaking forward with one of Dembele and Paulinho, there would be a lot more of a balance there and both players would know their roles a lot more than possibly Dembele and Paulinho do at the moment. Um, but I, it would be interesting to see what they do when all four fit and which partnership ABB does go for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of other kind of questionable decisions, um, um you know, players who are potentially not quite ready for the Premier League yet um, is the oft-lauded Eric Lamella. Um, what do you, I mean, Ben, I'll, I'll start with you. I mean, what do you think the, th- the thinking behind keeping him fairly mm. wrapped in Cornwall at the moment is? Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I think it's a, a lot of it. You know, you get the press in England and if we'd thrown him straight out into the first game, he's a £30 million player, if he had flopped in his first two or three games because simply he hasn't adapted, he doesn't speak the language, you know, the pressure would be on him straight from the off and he's already sort of at a disadvantage. And I think, you know, sort of slowly introducing him and throwing him, in, him into these cup competitions, um, you know, he can sort of go under the radar, try his own thing and slowly adapt into our system. And to be honest, I, I think AVB is approaching it the right way. I do think that you know, this lad, clearly he's got a lot of talent. He's shown, he has shown something about him when he has come on. Um, but he was, he, you know, he'll slowly get integrated into the team. But for now, I think, you know, he's been treated as expected. And that is the right way, in my opinion. I mean, Bainesy, what say you? I mean, do you think Lamella, he operated mainly at Roma as an inside forward. Now, we were speaking about how there was an overemphasis upon the inside forwards and how that seemed to be a redundant tactic against West Ham because they packed the middle. There was a lot of space on the wings, which we weren't exploiting. Yeah, we had the pace in someone like Townsend. We had the pace of someone like Lamella on the bench. But, I mean, is Lamella going to be that type of player you think we could rely on to play an orthodox wing game? As in, you know, you stick him out far wide, he can run it down to the byline and whip across in. Or is that going to, much in the same way as we've asked Townsend to do that when he is probably more of an orthodox winger who is now playing as an inside forward, Lamella is probably the reverse. I mean, do you think in terms of as a plan B, we could actually rely on Lamella to come in and, and mix a game up in that way? 
Well, within time, um, he'll be our plot on A. Um, I think he's got that in his game, being able to, to cross the ball and play a more natural wing role. He's got the ability to cut in on his more favoured foot as well. He's got all of the, the, the tools that he needs to, to play that right-hand side entirely effectively in both manners. I think what's worth keeping in mind is the fact that he's probably the youngest player in the squad at the moment without looking. He's definitely younger than Townsend. He, he's probably he's younger than play, young players like Holtby and and um, and Ericsson. He, he's younger than them all. So <clears throat> coming from what is... The jump from Argentina to, to Italy is one cultural shift and then to have to do it again to another major city, uh, another capital city, is, is a large one to do for somebody who's 21 years old. Um, I imagine that AVB is trying to, to cushion him in both on and off the field and once he feels entirely comfortable, he'll be able to express himself. The fact that he's unfortunately got the the boots of Gareth Bale have been pushed towards him by by quite a number of people is pretty unfair um, because he, he nobody could have expected him to come in and, and play that same role in exactly the same manner straight away. Um, I don't think he'll flop at all. Um, I don't think what he's doing at the moment is, is flopping at all. I think he's just taking his time to settle in. I think AVB is, is letting him take that time. Um, in a few a few weeks and months, I think we should be seeing more of him in the Premier League. I think it's not long before he'll start. He'll he'll actually begin to start the games. Um, but I think we're forgetting about Aaron Lennon as well on the right wing in terms of getting to the byline and crossing in the ball. He's been doing that for us for many number of years now, and he's been performing that to a high level since he was in his teens. So we've relied on him for a very long time. So I think it's, it's imperative we get him back to, to fitness as well. Because the depth of our squad, as I say, is something that we, we bring up and we crack on about. But we have got quite a few players that have been key for us in the past out at the minute. As I say, it's quite strange, that, because I, I, I wasn't under the impression that Lennon was out with a particularly bad injury. But it, it must be a pretty serious one to keep him out for as long as he has been now. Well, he, he's had these for, for a while, hasn't he? He seems to, because he is a player that plays at such pace, his muscular injuries are occur quite often. So he does tend to pull things and snap things. It's almost similar to, to the way in which Van der Vaart's um, injuries occurred. So I think it's a given with Aaron Lennon that he will be out for, for a little while every season in a similar way that Gareth Bale almost had, had that similar sort of thing of being caught every now and then. So... Um, I think it's something we can expect with with Lennon not to be available all the time, but hopefully he should be back soon enough. I didn't expect it to be this long, but um, we are definitely missing that option of him because he he is completely different to to what we've got on the, the available right at the minute. It's quite fun. I, I, not funny, as in I I, you know, I actually feel for the lad in a certain way. But speaking about Gareth Bale and his injuries, it's quite funny seeing Perez waving his receipt at Levy now, isn't he? Trying to get his money back. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's. He's almost got a very similar sort of thing as as Lamella to go through. So, um, as I said in the past, I do do hope he, he does his best out there for them. Um, he's definitely got the ability to, um, as does Lamella. So it'll be it'll be very interesting. I mean, just comparing the two, completely the same. I mean, Gareth Bale was twenty four when he was um, performing as he did for us last season, and, and Lamella still got three years to go yet before he's at that similar sort of level. So. We've got a lot of time left with the lad to, to see the best of him. 
mean, we're going to have to wait three years? Fucking hell, mate. What's that? We just spent 30 million on him. What's going on, Levy? <laughs> well, I think it's long-termism. I, I, I think he'll be producing, but I don't think he'll be winning any Ballon d'Ors anytime soon. Ah, oh, um, for Christ. Well, we might as well just pack it all in now then, mate. You know? <laughs> Sick of all this. AVB, patient game, players taking time to settle in. fuck's all that about? Yeah, well, it seems to all be coming at once. I mean, the talk of us winning the title and everything. I do think we, we need to t- take a step back a little bit and be a bit more... Um, contextualise the entire thing a little bit more than we are doing, um, purely because... I still think, even Sunday aside, we are overachieving um, because the size of the club, uh, the size of the stadium, the revenue and everything can't be underplayed. Um, the fact that Arsenal are top of the league, the fact that the Liverpool are up there is is almost more befitting because they've got the revenue and they've got the, 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 the commercial value that we don't at the moment so we are very much still batting over the, batting over our average so to speak and, and I'm, I'm proud that we're doing so and I can't see us slowing down any soon and um, I think we'll, we'll still be able to kick on As fun as it is to kind of you know laugh at Liverpool's demise over the past few years they are still in terms of on paper one of the biggest football teams on the face of the planet you know they're far bigger than Chelsea and Arsenal Um as a brand, so that, as you quite correctly say, does weigh in when you look at the success that they're starting to clamber back towards. But I'm not overly convinced by Liverpool myself. Still, it's going to take a bit more for me. You know, to... as, a, as a as a team, I'm 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 sure they'll drop off. But as a football club, they're they're in a similar oh, they're sort massive. of position to what they yeah what they should be aspiring to. Definitely. Um, I, I guess another one we I wanted to look at is Yunus Kabul. Uh, I mean, it's not something that brings me joy to 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 say, but it was something I, I've said a while back that you know this constant huge injury he seems to have every time he you know comes back either into a reserve game or into a kind of a League Cup or Europa League game, he always seems to end up limping off or going. I mean. Is it the end for him, really? I mean, I, I think after having held on to a player like King for as long as we did, um, I don't think the board are going to be as accommodating to another, you know, as is seen by the fact he's only got a, a year left on his contract and seemingly isn't being offered another one. Can you? Do you think the end is the end is nigh for Eunice and Tottenham? Ben. Uh, you know, it's quite an interesting one, really. I mean, obviously, we've just had Ledley King retire. And- Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Obviously, Eunice, he's in such a similar mould, sort of both on and off the pitch, isn't he? I mean, he's almost grown to probably be our best centre-back at the moment, yet he struggles to get through two consecutive games. And as you sort of said, Jay, you know, we sort of facing almost another lovely king and with one year left on his contract, are the ball going to take a punt and give him another three-year deal, but only get sort of 30, 40 games out of that? Or are we going to maybe bring in a player like Caricis and, um, you know, try and bed him into the side and try and make him become possibly our sort of new young defender that can be relied upon? Because, you know, I absolutely love Kabul and I, I couldn't see us sort of letting him go so easily uh, next year. You know, I mean, he, he's so solid at the back for us. He's very reliable. Um, and he, you know, he puts the rest of the team at ease when he plays. I think the essential difference to me is that Kabul, yeah, he's very talented on the pitch, but in terms of the the comparison to him and King, is that as much as he is very much a fan's favourite, he's not in that same kind of legendary bracket that Ledley King was. No, that the, no. the the club are almost obliged to hold on to Ledley King. I think the board, if given their way in a cold hard business sense wouldn't have accommodated King as much as they had done uh, yeah. unless they knew that essentially you know, it really would not have proved popular with the fans to treat someone who is now you know, regarded as a club legend already um, any way other than we did. Um, and I think it was credit to the club. I don't, I, I don't think personally I, I would hold it against the club if we were to yeah. let Eunice go. I mean, he... he... Sorry, Ben, mate, you've really dropped out there, pal. Yeah, I, I can't. Oh, sorry. Can, am, I, am I good at the moment? Yeah, yeah, you're back. You're back. So just take okay. it from uh, just take it from your point, the start of your point. Oh, well, I, was, I was just going to say that um, you know, I mean, obviously, as you sort of said, Levy King, he was you know, Mr. Tottenham Hotspur. He was the face of our football club. But, you know, in no way in that sort of respect is Eunice up there. I mean, in terms of ability as well, King, you know, he's very consistent for years and years. I mean, you can almost sort of count on one hand the number of bad games he had. Um, as you sort of said, I'd be very surprised to let a player of Cabal's quality go, um, you know, on a free, because there is so much potential there. You know, he's not an old player. He's probably, if anything, regarding his age, you'd probably be expecting him to probably be hitting his peak soon enough. And, he is a player that you want to take a punt on and at the same time, with so many cup competitions, you do need his depth and if he's pretty fit, you want him playing. Simple as that. 
I think the thing is, though, can you justify paying someone, what, 60, 50, 60 grand a week if they're going to be injured for months on end, as he has been? Yeah. Um, it's one of those. I mean, if, if we let him go, then at the same time, we're going to have to bring someone else to replace him. And, you know, in today's inflated market, we're going to be paying paying a lot of money on top of those wages. And, you know, it's that old saying where it's, keep, it's, it's cheaper to keep hold of someone than to let him go and maybe go out and buy someone else. Um, and I think that the board would understand that. And I'll probably take a punt on him. You know, he has given us some, you know, a few years of decent service. And I think he will still be here next season. What about you, Bainsy? What's your take on it? Um, I don't... I don't buy into the the, the thing that he's got a, a very uh, a Ludwig King type chronic injury. I mean, there was a an article on in the Independent, I think, a couple of days ago, um, which had a very long uh, interview with Kabulin, and he was talking about regaining his Premier League pace and and how he did feel a lot stronger. He, he said that the terms of in, the type of injury, sorry, that he's picking up now, the muscular injuries aren't anything to do with his knee. Um, what they are um, are other injuries in terms of, of muscular injuries because he hasn't played as much as he used to because he's trying to get back into the flow of it you do almost as a knock-on effect of having been out so long and, and rusting up um, so to speak you do pick up these other types of injuries so I think that once he's got that that fully behind and, and in the past which he should, hopefully should have done um, it, it's something that, with time, you, you seem to to get out of. Uh, you, your body seems to get back to, to competitive fitness. Um, I also don't think, in terms of a team, we're in any sort of position to let him go. Um, I mean, I've, I've been very supportive of Michael Dawson, um, and I've spoken very highly of him in terms of the way in which he thinks about the club. I'm delighted that he's got a new contract, I really am. But in terms of being a starting midfielder in the Premier League, I think <clears throat> Kabul would be much more suited to playing alongside Vertonghen back there because I don't think Vertonghen's starting position is, is un, under any sort of threat just because he brings more to the team than just defending, especially in terms of recycling the ball, bringing it forward in an attacking sense. But there also is a, a very reasonable argument and a... One that I don't wish to, to talk about too much purely because I like Michael Dawson so much, but there is a, a very reasonable argument that you can say that every goal that we have conceded so far this season, including the ones against West Ham, don't paint Dawson in, in the best of lights. And there are some, some things that perhaps a, a more agile and a more uh, combative defender would have perhaps dealt with a tiny bit better than, than Dawson did on the occasion. Yeah, this is uh, hard to argue. I, I'm much in the same boat as you. I, I'm very vocal in the fact that I'm a big old fan of Dawson. Um, he does. I think people do neglect the fact that, as Rob Brown pointed out, um, he brings that sense of identity to the team, which we are lacking at the moment, especially when we've brought in a lot of new players. It is good to have that linchpin, someone who is almost like a focal point within Tottenham Hotspur itself to give the team that that bit of identity and not to neglect the fact his actual on-pitch leadership qualities are there for all to see. His affinity with the fans is great. But yes, of course, you know, if, if he's consistently messing up and he was he was put to shame against West Ham, you know, he, he had a howler of a game. But in fairness, I don't think Vertonghen showered himself in glory either that match, but that's not to say 
you know, Vertonghen is obviously a vastly superior defender to Michael Dawson. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying with Kabul. Um, I mean, I still do worry. For me, it, it, I, I know what you're saying that yeah, there's nothing wrong with his knee per se, and he's having these injuries because of you know he's not training or playing as much as he would like to be. As we saw with King, you know, around the time when he wasn't training, he was picking up a lot of other injuries outside of his knee when he was playing for us. So pulling his hamstrings quite a lot or getting groin strains, things like that. But at the same time, a player with the ability that Kabul has at his age to not be offered a new contract yet when he's in the final year of it, that's what concerns me more, as in do the club know something that we don't yet? You know? I don't know. Maybe it's just a conspiracy theory. Am I going a bit too David Icke for you? No, I mean, you are my start. It's the worst possible um, worst possible circumstance, that is the case, but it's not one that I, I really want to entertain until we've had it confirmed. Well, there we go. Raj isn't going to entertain it. Sorry. I'm sorry, sir. Um, <laughs> well... Let's let's move away from our defence and go on to the midfield. I am the authority on such matters. Yeah, okay, okay. I see him. Ben's just there, buzzing away in the background. Aren't you, Ben? <laughs> he keeps cutting out every now and then. I'm just like just carefully trying to follow what's going on. <laughs> As you can see, we run a tight ship here and rule the roost. It's uh, definitely yeah. Definitely. It's it's all good. We've all got. No, I, I can't be bothered to carry on with that. We we do this all over Skype. We're not in the same room. If anyone didn't know that, but we're not. We're just all in our bedrooms, eating what's-its, looking at pictures of naked ladies as we talk about football. It's pretty good, actually. Our boys. It's good fun. Well, yeah. Um, There's nothing wrong with that in this day and age. No, there isn't. On the line. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I don't know if that is Ben's proclivity, but, you know, power Maybe to him. Was. Power to him if it is. Um it is worth pointing out where we are laughing at him for having a dodgy internet connection. Ben is a, a poor student, so he's doing well to, to afford the internet. He's actually yeah, speaking I mean, to us through a, a tin can and a piece of string. So he's yeah, a, string yeah. only goes so far as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll buy more next week, I'll say. You better. I mean, Rob Brown told us he was going to buy a new headset, and he's pulled out tonight, so... I think Rob didn't buy a headset. Apparently he's playing five aside. I don't believe him. I just think he didn't want us making fun of, of, of him again. Captain Captain Cassio. You, you know. Um, but yeah, our midfield balance. <laughs> we You touched on that. Um, well, we've actually touched on that with Sandro um, in a way in which we need to address it. I mean, are you happy with the way the team's lined out so far? I mean... Do you, do, you, do you think the injury to Kapu has altered the uh, the way in which we've approached games after that, or you know, what? Uh, are you happy with the midfield, Ben? After my <laughs> appallingly vague question. <laughs> no, it's still I'm putting down the connection, no, trust me. But um, I, I mean, to be honest, I think the systems remain the same. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Kapu and obviously Sandra, they're naturally more defence-minded players, so they're going to be the ones getting stuck in, putting in those heavy challenges. But as I sort of um, pointed back to what I said earlier, I think that Dembele and Paulinho have been fairly solid on the whole, you know, without 
sort of standing out too much defensively. Um, but we definitely lack a bit of ice in the field. I mean, that I think that was quite obvious. And I think Sunday almost summed it up to an extreme in that we do miss that real sort of rock in the field at times. And I think it'll be a bit of a blessing when we do get Kapu back. I mean, it must be quite a safe for sure now. It's been sort of a month or so, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be three weeks he was out for, but yeah, it's, it's coming up to about a month now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean he looks so assured um, on the ball. Uh, you know, he did actually bring quite a lot to the team, which I think surprised quite a few. I think many, you know, including myself, when we brought him in, I just thought he was there for the depth. You know, I wouldn't expect him to start every Premier League game, but he really sort of took the Premier League by storm a little bit and, you know, made the name for himself and outside quite early on and it's quite unfortunate to cut that injury over the scum. Um, and it would be good to see him back. You know, I think he will bring quite a lot to the side when he does um, start for us again. OK. Um, I mean, Rod, you've, you've actually spoken um, quite a lot about the midfield this week. Um, and I mean, if we're, if we're going to move forward, uh, what would you say that we're missing at the moment? What would you like to see his address in January? Left back. Uh, left, um, yeah, left back. I think is the, the priority. Um, I think even a, a, a decent reserve right back, somebody to give Walker a bit of competition, would be um, would be nice as well. But I think that's I think centre back we, we've got um, we've got enough of. But full backs, we we certainly need to to um, to have a look at the injury to Danny Rose. Has pointed out the fact that that Carl Norton just isn't good enough. Um, he's he's um, functional um, in a very loose way. He um, he either can defend or he can try and join an attack, but he can't do both in the same game with any semblance of success. Um, Danny Rose still has... He played well before he got injured, uh, but he still has question marks over whether or not um, if we do get back into the Champions League, he's of that level or not. Um, I think with the the, the the links that we had to other more international and more well known left backs in the in the summer it is something that obviously the management team are quite um quite proactive in wanting to, to get hold of now. Um I think if they could have got business done in, in the window they would have done. Um and with Carl Walker I think he, he because he knows that he's going to be playing pretty much every game and because he's got that that assurance, I think that's that's something that needs to be addressed. I think we've seen it in the past with players. Once we've brought in good competition for them, they have progressed purely on that very basic, very competitive uh, level. Um, I think the, one of the most obvious ones was when Aaron Lennon had a had a fairly average season. We bought David Bentley, and then Aaron Lennon kicked on that next season and was one of our best players, um, which was part of why. Bentley never never made it at Tottenham is because he had a, a better player ahead of him. Do you so, think um, Do you think Lennon actually kicked on, or do you think it was just after we saw Bentley play, everyone was like, "Oh, actually, Lennon's not that bad, really." No, I think <laughs> Bentley actually Bentley's start at the club isn't as bad as everyone remembers it to be. Um, I was being I think, a tad facetious. <laughs> I know, to point but, out, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. I, I, Lennon definitely did improve and he still is improving to, to, to now. He's had to adapt his game because being that sort of winger that just attacks a line and delivers isn't isn't something that AVB will have wanted from him and he was very good last season at, 
his decision making last season was exceptional, especially his tracking back and protecting of Walker, who had a bit of a, um, a nightmare in some games. Well, in fact, most games Walker was was slightly questionable. So he, I think Aaron Lennon is somebody, as I've said before, who almost has flown under the radar that we're missing. And I think he's one of those players that, especially in a game against West Ham, he would have been. He'd have known exactly what he was doing against that left back, and the left back would have hated him by the end of it. Right, so Ben, I mean, what yeah. what would you like to see us get in, in January? What do you think we're missing? Uh, to be honest, I think the only positions we didn't actually uh, improve were the full-back positions, and it's hard to look anywhere else but there. I mean, there's sort of talk about Pirlo lately as well. I mean, I can't, you know, it's going to be another Schneider moment, isn't it, where everyone gets fucking erections over that we're signing this great player, but he'll probably never prevail, but... Um, yeah, for me as well, it's got to be full-backs. I mean, there really has to be um, someone that either pushing Danny Rose, especially at left-back, or you know, someone that's going to do better than him. Um, obviously, we tried to move for Colin Trout in the summer. Um, from what I've read, he's uh, still injured or something. He hasn't really been featuring a lot because of quite a bad injury. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know, I think full-back is definitely a position needs to strengthen. I mean, it you know, it doesn't really help the team when we're sort of unbalanced defensively there. Um, you know, sort of going forward, Norton, again, not really too good. Um, as Raj sort of pointed out, we did have, you know, Danny Rose did have a great start to the season. I felt that he, um, with a compliment to our play, you know, he knew his role exactly. Um, and when he got injured, we did look a little lost and, um, you know, quite weak uh, left back specifically. Um, but apart from that, I, I Generally, think we've got a very good squad of players, but we do need the time to sort of integrate them, get them into our system, and you know, start ticking over. Really, yeah, well, that's the sound of it. Um, so, I put out a, a, a tweet asking for any questions this week, and we've actually been completely inundated. We, we ordinarily get about two questions at the very most, and that's after we send out about. 10 tweets begging people to ask us quite, you know, to send something in but yeah we've had about genuinely about 30 questions today so we won't be able to get through all of them um but I, I feel like a blue peter pre- presenter dashing the dashing the hopes of you know we're not going to be able to read out all your letters this week but thank you for sending them in nonetheless um but yeah well let's let's just dive in um We've got a nice one here from a Stan underscore Robinson that just says boobies. Seems to be more of a statement than anything. Um, right, we've got one here from Adam Nathan, at Adam Nathan, who says, ignore the price tags, etc. Well, the names, price tags, etc. Out of... What's he going to do? Bust into Jesse G? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out of Capu, Sandro, Polinio and Dembele... Which is the best combo of two in a four-two-three-one? I'll put that one to Raj first. <clears throat> uh, Sandro Polinho. Okay. Me. Ben. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to disagree, haven't I? Capu and Polinho. You don't have to disagree, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, it's got to be Sandro and Polinho, doesn't it? Any any particular reason why? I know we've we've kind of covered it, but just. In, in um, I quick... think there's a nice balance there. It's got the bite we need, but there's also I think the thing about Paulinho is he's got some uh, 
some quite deceptive runs. He doesn't seem to be picked up quite a lot. Um, at the same time, he's quite good at winning possession quite high up the pitch as well. Um, he just needs to get those fucking shooting boots on, doesn't he, really? But, um, yeah, I think those two are the um, good balance. Okay. Well, we've got a good one here. It seems to be, again, more of a statement as opposed to a question, but it still works. We've had a question from Brian Healy, whose Twitter handle is at Gunsheely, uh, that says, Our patient approach at home allows weaker sides to settle. And that's, that's it. But do you think he's making a point? I can, I can see a point in a way. Raj, what say you? Uh, yeah, I can understand that. He, uh, what I think he's trying to say is that we don't seem to go all out and attack. I think the the way in which we played under Redknapp was a little more gung ho, whereas we are very much more measured under under Andre Villas Boas. And I think away sides do react to that by just wanting to to sit as West Ham did and, and try and pick us off. Um, the way in which to combat that would be to to play less defensive midfielders um, and to emphasise the ball retention within the number 10 position so whoever's playing out of Holtby and um, Ericsson would be to, to get them involved much more earlier which is I think something we saw against Norwich um, I think when you when you are in the position that we are in that when you're playing at home you are expected to win more, more often than you're not we're not really going to be going around and spanking that many teams anymore purely because most teams game plans against us now is going to be um, damage limitations so they're going to be wanting to if possible get nil-nil and leave or if they can they can lose one or two nil and not have their goal difference affected too badly they will do um, and I think it's our job to, to try and break them down I think Holtby is, is slightly underused um, I think Sigurdsson's um, because of his early form over on the left-hand side, he's been he's been preferred. But I think it would be nice to see a team in which Holtby and Eriksson are playing in both together, just because I think if they were to, to strike some semblance of some sort of partnership in that final third, I don't think defences could live with short, sharp passing. And, and the, those two trying to out-through-ball each other will be a thing of beauty. And I think that would be playing the Tottenham way in, in the finest manner. Yeah, I like it. Um We've had one from Mac here, uh, at Scroobius Mac. I'll put this one to you, Ben, because we've already heard Raj's knee-jerk opinion on the man. The, f- <laughs> the future of Andrus Townsend. I think, was it you, Raj, that said um, there's a fine line between being a great winger and another Adam Johnson, I think it was. Nothing yeah, the fine line between being Adam Johnson oh, and Iron Robin. I think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that, that's literally Andrus Townsend in a nutshell, really. I mean... For me, I always love seeing a bit of flair on the wing. I think, you know, he does like to tuck in and generally his shots, you know, they are on target, they're decent shots. And against West Ham, you know, he was looking up a bit more and he was trying to find that pass. Arguably, you know, it probably wasn't the best decision at the moment. But I I, I do like him. I think, you know, as the wing, if you can beat a man, you can put a half-decent cross in, um, then you're halfway there. And personally, I'm a fan of him. I'm... I would like to see him playing um, because I think he's got a lot to show for us. Um, I think he offers quite a lot. Um, you know, he does scare fullbacks. You know, they know that he's going to run at them. Um, and I think he's he's sort of coming to our system. And you know, considering he has got competition such as Lamella behind him, who will slowly be getting more games, I do think he's making a 
good name for himself, you know, and he's um, really making a real case that he should be starting, personally. Okay. Uh, we've had a good question here from James H., who is at JFH89. Um, now, he says, the issue of subs dash starting 11 and whether AVB is addressing the right issues mid-game. I'll put that to you, Raj. What, whether or not he's making subs quickly enough? Yeah, or whether he is addressing, you know, whether he's making the right subs or if he's making the right tactical decisions when he is changing things up, if at all. Um, I do think there is a case to say that he's he's slightly more tentative than Redknapp was to to make large changes. Um, I think the the touchstone with with AVB a lot is is the way in which he's similar and different to to Mourinho. And um, what Mourinho often does is he'll go shit or bust, and he'll put on four strikers if he needs a goal. Whereas AVB is much more. He he believes in his players a lot more. He believes in allowing them to express themselves and to fulfil the roles in which he's given them. So he, he, where he doesn't make changes straight away, I think it's because he believes that his players know what it takes to to get the goal and do what he's asked of them, rather than Mourinho, who will be slightly more. Uh, cut through it and he'll go you're not working I'm going to try something else so I think um, he's he's stubborn um, essentially but I think it's something that he has in, previously made substitutions to change games um, and it's worked and equally he, he's he's sometimes not so I think it's something he's he's certainly going to work on um, and I, th- I think it is worth bearing in mind in just just how how young he is. I don't want to make excuses for him or anything, but um, it, in terms of balancing substitutions and knowing when to change things, it is something that that comes with time. So I think um, it is something that he can improve upon, and he can he can judge a lot better and with a lot more accuracy. But it's not something I'd want him to to rush job too much because I think if you if you're seen as as too knee jerk and too reactionary it's it's not the best either and i like the fact he has he has the the confidence and conviction in his in his starting plan okay well we've had john daniels at the john daniels and mr danny McAvoy at real deal danny um both say to us where is adebayor and do we bring him back in? Now, I don't think any of us are in a privileged enough of a position to actually answer where Adebayor is. Um, but it's it's one that's interested me, actually, the the Adebayor issue. Um, I was having a, a discussion the other day with a, with a chap who was kind of lambasting AVB for his so-called treatment of Adebayor. However, I've, I've taken the whole thing more as, you know, the guy's clearly had a bit of a breakdown in summer um, what with the death of his brother Dash other issues that have been bothering him in the past and I never really took the him training with the under 21s as a as a bad thing really until Defoe actually came out and broke the kind of silence to the press over the issue and it seemed as though it maybe was something that had been more enforced as opposed to encouraged Uh I mean, I personally think we could definitely do if having Adebayor back in the side, as long as he's kind of there mentally. Um, I could see the combination of him and him and Soldado being very effective, although it may see Ericsson moving over to where Sigurdsson is now, for me, and then dropping Sigurdsson. 
Um, I mean, how how would you accommodate Adebayo or Ben? It's or would bit... you at all? Is the question. Yeah. I, to be honest, I mean, he's one of those players when when he wants to play, you know, he will give you a performance and a half. And the problem is with him that, you know, his motivation, you know, where does it lie? Um, and it is up to AVB to really sort of kick him up the arse and say, right, you know, here's your chance, take it. Because he showed towards the end of last season that he's still more, you know, a, a very capable footballer, basically. And I, I would, you know, depending on motivations, etc., think, you know, things going on outside, I would want to see him more involved, possibly sort of in cup competitions early on, because, you know, it's not meaning that even like Soldado would have to travel. Um, and I think having three forwards it would give us an extra option because you know he is a different player to that of Defoe and Soldado. He does like to bring in the midfield into the game. He can link up with other players, um, and he, he can score some very good goals as well. And um, you know he is a great asset when he wants to play. And it does come down to AVB really giving him a good kick up the arse if that's what he needs, and you know making sure he does take his chance. You know um, he is a player that I would want to see him bowl possibly later down the line what about you Raji boy you, you, you quite like Addy don't you yeah very much so I think he, he offers something different to what our two current forwards offer um, I think Addy by our and not sorry Soldado and Defoe uh, are almost similar types of forwards um, in the way in which they operate although Soldado does have much more to his game as we've pointed out but Addy by is a lot more physical um, he enjoys drifting out to positions um, and being a lot more um, involved in terms of playing deeper, um, which is something we benefited a lot from last season, where he would drop deeper and allow Gareth Bale to, to go in front of him. And I think he's, his tactical awareness is something that's played down a little bit because he, he, he plays that position very well, that that the roaming forward, that deep line forward and not being an out and out striker, he does it very well. When yeah, when, when Adibao's confident, he's he's not only somebody that can get involved in the play, he's somebody that, that scores goals as well. I think um after he'd had a, a little bit of a run in the side, he scored that fantastic goal at Chelsea away last season. Well, it wasn't was... just the goal at Chelsea, I mean his his overall performance he was the best player on the pitch by a mile. Yeah, and he still has that ability now. He's not become a bad player overnight. I think in terms of him training with away from the first team, um, AVB is well known for for he he believes in mind and soul as much as he does physical fitness, which seems a bit airy fairy. But if if it's something he looks into, it's, mm-hmm. it's something worth looking at. Um, what he believes is if the player physically and mentally is right, then he can obviously perform to his best. Adibayo physically. Um, should be fully fit um, in terms of being mentally fully fit. He's obviously he's gone through bereavement in his family, which is is nothing that, that any of us can ever uh, belittle at all. It's something that he can everyone everyone deals with grief in very different manners. I think something that's brought up um, rather unfairly is that Jermaine Defoe's had a, quite a lot of, of of family issues in the past. And he's got over them. Well, he appears to have got over them on the pitch very quickly in terms of that he can still perform. But perhaps that's where his way of dealing with it is is being able to to, to play football and, and escape that way. Whereas Adibayor seems to have, have have taken it in a, in a little bit different way. And when it when there's something like that that's occurred in somebody's personal life, you can't ever 
you can't ever second guess them and judge them on a professional basis because there are, as funny as it may seem, some things that are bigger than football. Um, and if he needs to sort out his family life, take a few weeks to get himself back into a professional headspace before coming back onto the football field and performing for us, let him do so because there's there's bigger things than football. So um, yeah, I I'd think, allow him that time. Yeah, I think um, you're on very dangerous ground when you start trying to set out parameters for how long someone should be grieving for something compared to, you know, how long it's taken someone else to get over exactly. something. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty ridiculous and almost grotesque point to make. So uh, it is something I would... Yeah, it's, it's not a tactic. It's not a, a stat, is it? It's not something that that somebody's going to collect on their stats zone app, is it? That Jermaine Defoe's played three games after a bereavement and Jermaine and Danny Bio hasn't. It's not a footballing matter whatsoever it's a it's a it's a it's a matter of of a person so it's um it's not something that we should we should draw into and it's something that he should be allowed as much time as he needs although in saying that if our mighty leader mr if our mighty leader mr jp i.e the spurs stat man himself is listening might be something you want to look into there mate if you fancy being a bit of a ghoul um I'm, I am joking. That's very distasteful. I don't suggest you do that. And I know you won't be listening either. So there we go. Um, well, I think that's about all we've got time for this afternoon. Um, well, this evening. I whenever say. you're listening. Exactly. Whenever you are listening, it may be your morning commute. If so, good morning. If it's <laughs> lunchtime, then whatever. I'm not going to carry on with this. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming on tonight as well Ben it's, it's been a pleasure oh, no it's been brilliant it's been very interesting uh, <laughs> you, you sound so genuine as you say that Ben <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, been, it's been brilliant yeah. no, thanks a lot cheers that's quite alright um, and Raj as ever are you going to thank me for being on here no you you were average as always I know but that's that's kind of where I shine you know <laughs> I shine in my sheer mediocrity it's a pleasure. I look forward to these to these times on the internet talking to you more often than than anything else in my life. Other blokes on the internet. Yeah. Other blokes on the internet. You're not allowed to tell them about that, Ben. It's <laughs> the only one that I speak to. Oh, all right. So. <laughs> right. Well, uh, yeah. Next time we will be talking to an Aston Villa person. We don't know who that Aston Villa person will be, but it will be an Aston. It will be an Aston Villa person, won't it? Yeah. Back me up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. have an Aston Villa person. We'll, we'll try and find one if we can that doesn't have a brummy accent so that we don't all want to collectively commit suicide afterwards. Uh, you know what, mate? Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, that was as on uh, Ruled the Roast. And uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for listening. And as much as we can, come on, you Spurs, even though we did get fucking beat by West Ham 3 now. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.